0: This is the Self-Taught or Not podcast with Dylan Israel and Eric Hanchett, where we teach you the do's and don'ts of software development from two software development professionals, one self-taught and one not. Hey, everyone. I just want to welcome you guys to season two of the Self-Taught or Not podcast. We have a lot of cool episodes coming up, so make sure if you haven't already... Go ahead and subscribe in your podcast catcher, either in iTunes, Stitcher, whatever you're using, so that way you can get updated whenever we have new episodes. This episode's all about monetizing side projects, so we're going to deep dive into our own experiences with monetizing side projects, some tips and strategies you guys can use, and things that you need to look out for. Before we get too far, let's have a quick word from our sponsor, this episode, Circle CI. CircleCI is a cloud-native continuous integration platform that automates the build, test, and deploy process for your software. It's great for startups all the way to full-scale enterprise development teams. As a bootstrapper myself, I love how I can easily get it up and running to start building and testing my code in just a few short minutes. I've integrated it into some of my personal projects on GitHub with ease. They even had a free plan you can use to test it out. Let me tell you a little bit about the features of CircleCI. It's a continuous integration as a service. So CircleCI manages the entire build fleet for you. You never need to worry about managing your own build machines. It's all done for you. Its fleet is also very customizable. You can build on Linux, Windows, or even Mac OS machines. And you can customize the CPU and the memory on those machines to meet your needs. All this makes it for a really powerful continuous integration platform that's easy to manage and scale. So if you're listening right now, Make sure to go to CircleCI.com, that's CircleCI.com, and sign it up and try out it today for free. Make sure you tell them that self taught or Not sent you. Once again, make sure you go to CircleCI.com. Thanks.
1: All right. All right. So today we're going to be talking about something that's near and dear to my heart, which is Making money on our side projects, so we've talked quite a bit about how side projects are a fantastic way to build your brand, build your skill set, and really just have fun and keep it fun. And one of the ways that I keep it fun is by turning a little bit of a profit.:
0: Yeah, I mean, it's all about the Benjamins baby.
1: Yeah, we could say that <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um, but uh, truthfully, it's um, you know money is money is uh something, it's not everything but it's something and it makes our life go uh, easier. And I have found over the years that when I start a side project that I have figured out how to make $20 with, it makes me much more interested than going and working on a side project that I'm making $0 with. And then I figure out what's the next feature set I want. What's the next thing I want to do to get that 20 to 50, that 50 to 100, 100 to 200, and so on and so forth. And it really helps fill in that sort of, motivation loop, as well as it's the creative juices going because you're now thinking about what's next and how to capitalize on your time and energy.
0: I think when I've, I first started out looking at this, you know, doing side projects and making money, I was really averse to making the making money side. I was like, you know, this is wrong. This is something I should do for free. I think there's this... N- I don't know. It's this probably wrong idea that developers hate paying money for things and therefore that we shouldn't create things that cost money and that you know, you're know you selling out. And I, I think that's absolutely not true. I think that developers do pay for things. I think it's okay to charge. I think it's okay to ask for donations and a lot of other things we'll talk about here in the future. And, and for me personally, it is a motivating factor. Now, not everything is needs to be. I need to make money off of. I do plenty of things. I don't make any money, but it's really cool to give back to the community and build a name for myself. But you know, it's it's okay to make money and it's okay to to charge for things.
1: Yeah, and that money may not be significant amounts. Like you may put a hundred hours into something and be like, "Yo, it makes me twenty five dollars a month." Right? Like it, we're not talking necessarily about life changing amounts, although that can happen. I know that if we combine all my random income streams, then some of the ways we're going to talk about that, it ha- it has added up to a nice, like, it's enough to pay my mortgage. and That's pretty exciting. But, you know, a lot of these things are not items that you're going to get rich overnight, but it is a nice way to, a lot of projects take time, energy, and money to maintain, right? This podcast, we have, you know, multiple subscriptions to get things up and running, a website, all that sort of stuff. And, Being able to monetize it in one way or another uh, has really helped to keep it going, as well as just um, stay active and continue to enjoy it.
0: Dylan, let me ask you this. Do you think once you start monetizing something, and I don't like that word monetizing, well, maybe you charge, you make some kind of money on it, that it changes it. For example, you might have a hobby that you really like, and you create a website for it. You know, let's say you're into wrestling and you create a wrestling website and you're like, wow, this is really awesome. I really love wrestling and I like the the performances that the wrestlers do. And I'm going to create this kind of fan site, but then you start charging for it. Do you think that changes your hobby? Cause now it feels more like a job.
1: I think it all depends on your outlook, right? And this is something you and I've talked about off, off. I was gonna say off camera, but off pod. Is that something people say? <laughs> uh, where when you are going and and monetizing something, you want to monetize something you're already passionate about and that you're already doing and not just go chasing the money. But I do worry that a lot of people chase the money too much. And there's there's tons of ways that you can make money and still have fun in the process. And if you forget that, it will fail, feel very much like a job where now you're like, all right, I got to put in my hours. I right? You know, I'm not going to get that paycheck. Instead of, hey, I'm going to put in my time because I enjoy this. And if I'm able to make money in the process, that's great. And that's sort of the mentality I've always taken with YouTube. Is It was this process of learning, process of growing. And if I could make a quick buck, great. But this channel is for my own enjoyment and my own growth. And it's, it's hard to have that mentality because you're like, dude, I'm making $1,000 a month. Now I'm making $500 a month. What is going on? So it takes a little bit of mental fortitude to have an outlook like that. But I I do think, generally speaking, that should be your outlook.
0: I think that I've had that same feeling, but it's some things have felt more like work now. Like, for example, YouTube. So I have a YouTube channel where I put out two to sometimes three videos a week, and I work pretty hard on them. And some of them, and this was a conscious effort by me earlier last year, is that I wanted to do more high-quality tutorials instead of more advice type videos and there's merits to both people love getting advice like a lot of this podcast is advice but i like jumping into code too and my i don't know my feelings towards writing code has changed so before i used to like love to open up an editor spend an hour or two just coming up with an idea and mapping out a website or or trying out a new library i've never heard of and now when i have that feeling like, oh, I want to try this new library out. I got to think, okay, how am I going to record this? What time do I need to get on my recording equipment? How do I make the outline? And like, it feels like a little bit of a burden in some ways because I love doing it, but it's it feels like a little bit more of a job right now because I know I need to release at least one or two tutorials a week. And it's it's pretty heavy on me. I don't know, maybe I got to think of how to mentally change my outlook on it so it feels more like a fun hobby again. Yeah, and I think
1: that's not only side project related, but so much more industry related. Like I saw a video the other day uh, by by Chris Hawks on on YouTube about how programming is a drug and like companies want to know how much of the drug you're taking. And like it was sort of, it rang true a little bit where I know a lot of senior devs and most of them seem like, if you were to ask them, could are they going to be doing this in ten years? Nine out of ten would be like, "Fuck no!" Like,
0: like, like,
1: <laughs> like, 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 not even like. I don't know, man. We're gonna figure it out. They're like, "Nah, dude. I'm getting, I'm getting my money. I'm getting out." And part of that it goes back to this mentality thing of always feeling like you have to make the best use of your time, the most productive use. You always have to be learning and growing, and that's true to a degree. But I, I do think we need to manage expectations and. That sort of same mentality that we have as engineers very easily can leak into our you know our personal hobbies, our personal life. Where I know for me, I I've played video games my entire life, but now it's hard for me to sit down more than thirty minutes before I'm like, dude, I'm just wasting my life over here. Even though it's only been thirty <laughs> minutes, I you know been working on real you know quote unquote real stuff before that.
0: I think that's a dilemma, yeah, for sure. I, I definitely see when you get to the point where. Your hobbies become work, then it's no longer fun for you. I don't know if I did this happen to you. I know you were always striving to become a developer for for many years. So I had graduated college, and I was looking for my first programming gig. I, even though I was programming on like for fun on the side, I still wanted that gig. And when I got my first real programming job, like it didn't change my feeling of like, wow, I really want to learn more. I want to try different things. You know, I don't care. Like some people, like they're in front of a computer for eight hours a day. When they get home, the first thing they do is they say, I don't want to be in front of a computer again until the next day. And that's perfectly OK. But I've always been like, yo, I spent eight hours a day programming. I don't mind spending like two hours tonight programming again on a fun side project.
1: Yeah, I, I know f- for me personally that that's usually my outlook unless i actually hate my job and so like the um and i i didn't really think about this until a former tech lead sort of ex- opened my mind up to it and i was like oh you you're saying a lot of sense where i i love to program right i'm i'm one of those people addicted to the drug uh, at times and uh all my projects all my hobbies really all the people i hang out with nowadays are software engineers or youtubers um, and the majority of those YouTubers are in the software engineering space. And so it's really sort of taken over my life in some some would say an unhealthy fashion. So when I when I stop enjoying it and I don't want to go home and work on various aspects, now there may be things I may not want to do. I may not want to do some very algorithm heavy sort of stuff, but maybe I want to do my YouTube videos or work on a course or whatever it is. When that stops happening, it's usually something in my personal life, something in my work life and I, maybe I need to change jobs. Maybe I need to address personal issues, but I usually know that that's a sign that something's gone awry.
0: Having being attuned like to how you're feeling, I think is really important. It's not even just in your work life, but just in your life in general. I've known days where I've gotten up and I've been grumpy, and I could tell like I'm not feeling great today. I, you know, things are really bothering me that doesn't bother me, and I need to find my zen.
1: Yeah, and I think that's important. To, to note because there's I, I talk quite a bit Um, as as I've been writing my my book that I'm working on as uh, I'm writing
0: my memoirs
1: yeah my mem- it sort of is a memoir so it's, uh, but as I've been writing it one one thing I've really been trying to put an emphasis on is that you need to think things out you don't don't just assume things will happen and don't just assume that your your obstacles will go away Oftentimes you have to figure out what those obstacles are and what is impacting you in one way or the other so that you can tackle them head on and not procrastinate. And so you can make something a week, an issue for a week rather than for a year. Yep. All right. So we went off on a little bit of a tangent here, Uh, but uh, let's
0: let's reel it back in. Let's reel it back in.
1: So cash money, dollar, dollar bills, all about the Benjamins, (laughs) if I remember correctly. Um, so when you're doing your side projects, there's obviously many different types of categories, right? Um uh, one that we're very familiar with is YouTube, for instance, quite quite the side project, and one that it seems like every day I'm getting ten new channels recommended to me. Which is which is fantastic because I, I like to see that that, you know, I think as more channels go out there, you know, the tide rises for everybody.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that idea of, of instead of it being a zero sum game where one channel can take the viewers of another channel or one resource can take it set the the eyes and attention off its other resources. It's like everybody rises together that the tide rises the boats together, right? Is that the saying? Something yeah, some, like that.
1: some old man shit like that. We're not <laughs> we're not uh we're not about that life, I don't know. Uh we'll uh we'll have to get like a uh, quote book. Uh yeah. for season three where like we just we have shit on hand where people don't know <laughs> what the hell we're talking about that they sort of have heard a quote from a movie twenty years ago. Um but yeah, let's let's talk about some of the uh potential ways that you can monetize YouTube, for instance. And I, I think the obvious one is um ad revenue. Pretty much any side project that you have, uh, you can use ad revenue to generate
0: some income. and, and the ad revenue in general is probably one of the least paying uh, ways to make money with a side project. So for example, on a website, you might have a banner ad at the top and you literally get paid pennies per click. And you really need to have a large audience, a lot of amount of unique visitors to your website and a lot of people clicking that advertisement. And there's, there's big ad networks. There's a whole ecosystem. I looked into this when I had my blog a few years ago. Um, which I'll, I can talk about, but there's e- there's ecosystems that add networks for different types of blogs. For example, if you have like a cooking blog, there's an ad network for cooking blogs. There's an ad network for tech blogs, and then there's the general like AdSense, which is kind of one that encompasses all of them. It's open by it's owned by Google, and then you can put the, these these advertisements at the top, and then you can also I think it's not just for blogs. I think you can do it for other I mean other websites as well, of course. And then there's different um uh, search advertising too where you can buy keywords and and do it that way, but we'll we'll talk about that later.
1: Yeah, and I I think it's important to note that not all of these are going to be the big money makers and in fact, a lot of them will work hand in hand together, right? You you don't necessarily want to go in unless you have a very successful product where you're making a very conscious decision about how you're going to sell it or how you're going to use it. But generally speaking, most of these are actually going to be combined for ultimate effectiveness. And there's a there's a little bit of a catch-22 in that because you don't want to be overbearing. It's, it's very easy to lose somebody uh, in your product or project when you're just like, yo man, I'm just trying to squeeze every dollar out of this dude as I can.
0: I've seen blogs like popular food and cooking blogs that have the top banner at the top of the page, a banner on the right hand side of the page, a banner at the bottom side of the page, and then an auto playing video that's somewhere on the page that that's embedded inside the article itself. And with all those four or five combined, they make a few thousand bucks a month off of it, but they have to put all those in there to make money. And it's kind of annoying, but honestly, if you think about it, and I'm going to defend this practice, and you can disagree, you know, jump on our Facebook community, CoTech and Caffeine, because you can, most people, especially these these larger blogs, are getting 80% of their traffic from Google. People are searching for, like lasagna recipe or in a tech blog site they might be like how do you create an angular form um, using uh, reactive forms and they'll look through and they'll find an article and they'll be on your site for like five minutes and they're just coming in they're going to be in and out of the site in like five minutes so if they see all that crap like all those different advertisements most people and i think tech people are probably a little bit more uh they don't like this as much as other people out there but they're just reading your blog and then they're going to be out So I don't feel, like, too bad, like, putting a bunch of advertising on the page as long as it's not, like, too egregious.
1: Yeah, and I think in that specific use case, it makes sense where you're like, hey, we're not actually worried about repeat business. Because, like, if there was a site that I was looking for, specifically for Angular, I was like, you know, angulartuts.com or some shit like that. And I was like, man, these are some quality tutorials. But it had seven ads on it, like you described. Chances are, I'd probably go somewhere else for that in the future, as I have, and it usually doesn't even work for like the tech space because most of us probably run ad block, Let's be honest, <laughs> uh, and so and so like it's uh, if it, for repeat business is definitely not a very good game plan, and it's something that I hate. If I see if I see an auto playing video on my uh my my page, I immediately I don't care what it is, so. It's, it's just some, some items that you're a little bit too aggressive. Yep. But so we have ad revenue as one way, and I'd say one of, if not probably the most popular way, um, and we're going to agree to disagree on this, but it's really about affiliates and affiliate income.
0: Let's have a quick break to talk about our sponsor circle CI. If you don't know what CircleCI is, let me tell you. CircleCI is a continuous integration as a service and it manages your entire build fleet for you. You never need to worry about managing your own build machines. You can build on Linux, Windows, or even Mac OS, and you can customize the CPU and memory usage to meet your needs. This really makes a powerful continuous integration platform that you can manage and scale with ease. So I use CircleCI personally on a project a few months ago it was a view project, so I had CircleCI build the project for me. It ran all my integration tests and it then deployed to my backend. I even set up a little Slack server and I had it send a message to my Slack server when the build was completed, which was really cool. It probably took me about 10 minutes to set it all up and I have never set up a ci day pipeline before. So I highly recommend CircleCI. So make sure you go to circleci.com and sign up for a free account. And then tell them that self-taught or not sent you. Thanks. Make sure you go to circleci.com. Yeah, affiliate income is great. So this is essentially where you, as a as a content owner or website owner or YouTube owner, will contact a company. And usually, many companies already have some sort of affiliate sign up page. And then you'll sign up to promote their products, and then they kick you back. A percentage of their profit or revenue from it. So, for example, I'm a big Udemy fan. I've literally have recommended thousands of people to Udemy over the years, and they pay me a few bucks, not much, um, a few bucks for every time someone clicks on one of my links for Udemy and ends up purchasing. And I think it's within 48 hours if they click on a link for Udemy, it puts a cookie on their machine. And if they buy any, um, if they buy that course within like 48 hours, I get, I don't know, you know, a couple bucks. But those couple bucks adds up and I only recommend courses that I really like. Like I recommended Dylan's courses. He has some great Udemy courses. I recommended um, a fuel from Colt Steel and, and Angela. So there, there's a few that I recommend. That that uh, really makes me money, but there's affiliate income for everything from like Udemy, from course sites. There's ones for web hosting is really big, especially in our tech space. There's ones for I don't know. Have you dealt with a few others? Uh, Amazon, of course.
1: Yeah, yeah. Amazon's fantastic. So I uh, I read about a, a technical book once every three months or so. I'm currently reading Code Complete, and I, I just purchased the Pragmatic Programmer, which uh, I actually jumped into that because Code Complete's kind of dry. Even though I'm about three fourths of the way done, I'm I'm dying this last fourth of it. Um, but I and then I'll do reviews about it and and link to it. I've even um you know I've I've talked to you about I've been inspired by one of your projects that we'll talk about in an upcoming episode. Um, sharing YouTube channels and. Came up with a way to use affiliate links in a, a similar fashion um, for resources and, and items like that. But I, I think you made an excellent point about recommending things that you actually like and not. And this goes back to, kind of to our earlier point about not necessarily chasing the money. Like I'm a, a big believer the money will come as long as you are sort of honest to yourself and you're honest to your audience. And I, I think this, whole, like, I hate the term personal branding, but part of that is people learning your character and so when you recommend something um even though you have a monetary benefit and you know it's definitely an argument that that can skew your outlook that you're recommending something you actually like and there's so much out there that if you're just chasing the money and you burn people one time they're not going to come back and they're not going to be fans of yours for very very much longer Mm mm-hmm Okay, so quite quite a bit with uh, affiliates, whether it's courses, books, whatever you want. There's uh, one, one tip I would have for people who are looking to do this is, and I, I've recently started doing this, so um, don't think a lot of these things are things that I've thought of on day one with my side projects. But affiliate programs, oftentimes in their terms, can end at any moment. They can pull that out and they're like, you know what, we don't want to have an affiliate program anymore. We grew our business to know x y and z and i remember a while back with um my buddy matt tran he sort of introduced me to affiliate programs back in the day on his youtube channel engineer truth he was um doing a program for a college job site where they give him like 75 cents for every email that signed up and at that time he was doubling his youtube income because his channel is definitely career focused and perfect for that and then they just hey we're no longer doing it a year later so what I would recommend, and I've done this now, I'm doing this now, is that when you are putting affiliate links for something up there, let's say I'm I'm trying to, I have a, a a link for Code Complete, but for whatever reason I can't I can't sell you Code Complete. I can still make a recommendation when that someone clicks on this video four years later of a maybe the Pragmatic Programmer, which I do have an affiliate link for. So I always now wrap my affiliate links in my own website and redirect. That way, if the they change their URL pattern or I need to do some custom stuff to like a coupon code or the, the affiliate link I had is no longer relevant, I can still redirect to a product that maybe I think is great and that you may still have interest into. So just a, a little tip to save yourself some headache.
0: Yeah, that's a great tip because I have had that exact thing happen. I've had, I used to use Google for my URL shortener in some one day, Google, I got an email. For, I didn't even get an email. Someone just told me Google is saying they denied all your. I'm clicking on this affiliate link and Google says it's denied. And somehow Google has, they used to have the shorter. I don't know if this changed, but they had some kind of policy that you couldn't do affiliate links or you couldn't do certain types of links through Google. So all my Google links on like 100 videos on my YouTube channel stopped working. And I had to spend like a good three hours going through every single YouTube link in the YouTube description and changing them, and I ended up getting a a plugin called TubeBuddy that made that a little bit easier, but it still was a huge pain. And then I've had I've had both. Um, I used to recommend a code. I'm not going to call them out by name, but it was sort of like this a code course training site. And I had a bunch of those links all over the place in in my personal blog, which I'll talk about later. And one day they just ended their affiliate program. So now I have a bunch of dead affiliate links everywhere that I have to go back and change to something else. Otherwise people are going to click on it. And either A, I don't remember if the, the link would stop working or they would just stop paying me. I think they just stopped paying me, which I guess is okay, but still wasn't perfect. And then I've had affiliates that have changed their terms um, I had one that basically changed their terms. I used to be getting, I'm going to make up a number here, like 70% and they went down to 35%. And just no reason, just like we're changing our affiliate program, you're getting half as much as you usually got. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. So yeah, if there is an easy way, like like what Dylan just said, to change your links, that that's a great, great tip.
1: Yeah, and, and definitely when dealing with affiliate links, all that stuff will or ha- or affiliates. All that stuff will happen. All the terms for these things are always in, you know, it's like any other legal contract. It's always in, in their favor. They're not going to be like, write something that's like, we will not change our prices and you'll have full control of what we agreed to. Right. That's not, it's not going to work that way. So some other uh, great ways that you can make, and this, this almost goes back to wrapping the affiliate links in your, your own way is oftentimes creating a membership site like in, in our space there's countless people who have their own coding sites that they may put their courses on other platforms but they also then put it on their own platform this is something i'm hoping to do probably at the end of this year or maybe next year
0: yeah another great way to make money online if you i would say this is probably not a great one if you're just starting out with I think affiliate income and advertising we talked about earlier are great ways to start off. You don't even need that big of an audience. If you just have a blog, just start putting affiliate links in it when you start describing things that you like, or put like what I use. A lot of people have a slash uses page on their on their blog. You can put a slash uses and then put the your favorite software and your favorite courses and you maybe can make a few bucks. With the membership sites though, you generally need to have an audience which is kind of a prerequisite for some of these types of ways of making money. You do need to have an audience, and then people will sign up for it. I've looked at this a few times. I only have one course out right now that I created about a year and a half ago, and I am actively working on a second course that I'm hoping to get out very soon. Um, I'm going to be doing a pre-order on it. But uh, I kind of want to build up a few courses together, and get that together before I create some sort of membership site too. And there's a lot of software that can help you to do this. There's a lot of WordPress plugins. Um, in fact, yeah, we'll probably be talking about this more in the future. Me, me and Dylan might be doing a collaboration on something like this at some point, but it's, it's fun. It's a fun way of, of getting uh, people in one place in one community to learn something.
1: Yeah. I, and, it doesn't necessarily have to be a coding site. I actually have a, one of my, my buddies, he used to tutor back when he was in his master's program for the GMAT, uh, test. Um, and he, he to this day from five years ago through word of mouth traffic gets people that go uh, like on, on Reddit posts and things like that, get people to go to this site where he made a bunch of tutoring, a bunch of videos for the kids he was tutoring. And, is able to sort of funnel that in through word of mouth, which is and um, still works on it to this day. Um, he finally deprecated the PHP backend for Node, uh, <laughs> which was something I was giving him crap about. Uh, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, so sponsorships, another quite frequent item, and uh, again, one you have to be careful about with who it is that you are. I guess. It's sort of weird to say endorsing, isn't it? Like, yeah, like we're something. Like, but that, that's sort of what it is. But like, who it is that you are affiliating yourself with?
0: Yeah, it's sponsors are a big part of of our businesses, our side hustle, me and Dylan's, and some people call this. And if especially if you are. If you're creating like a software service as a service business, meaning you're like selling software to people, this um, sponsorship is, is a little different. You're probably sponsoring other people. When I think of sponsorship, I think of people call this influencer outreaching or influencer marketing. That's where you reach someone and you pay them money to promote a product or to mention a product either on a podcast or a really popular in the blogging world is sponsored posts where you basically write a whole post about a product or a shout out or mention or like, for example, this podcast, we are uh, we have a few sponsors that we recommend at the beginning of the episode and in the middle of the episode. So that's, that's another way to, to do it through sponsorships. You can also sponsor conferences. Like if you go to your favorite conference or the Super Bowl, for example, that's uh, as you guys listen, this Super Bowl is long gone, and, and I just want to congratulate the 49ers for winning. That's my prediction. And they you'll see all those advertisements on TV for all these different products. And then you'll have maybe Super Bowl 54 sponsored by Doritos, and that's, that's a type of sponsorship. But usually when we're talking about side projects, we're talking about smaller sponsorships for individuals that are creating something.
1: Yeah, the the sponsorships can come in a variety of forms as well, right? I would say probably two more common is a dedicated sponsor, whether it's a blog post where you're reviewing, you know, said product or whatever it may be, or just a a mention or a shout out where you're saying, "Hey, um, you know, like in this podcast, here's a thirty second to a minute, um, you know, mention at the start and maybe the middle uh, in a you know forty five minute podcast," and sort of back to our AdSense stuff—it's—it's it's taking it out of the advertisers' hands. It's sort of putting it into your own, and you have to be careful not to spam your audience with this stuff as well, and make sure that it's relatable, right? If I'm over here trying to sell you—I this is an awful example, but this is what's coming to mind—thongs, right? If I'm trying to sell you thongs <laughs> on our our software podcast, and I happen to know that 90 based off analytics that 90 percent are men and it's sort of a weird thing to try to sell to women period on a on a non-fashion related uh channel again i apologize for the awful example <laughs> but my point is this is that people aren't going to be very receptive but if you are you know doing the occasional one in a what's a reasonable amount of time that for something they're interested in. And in this case, maybe it's a coding bootcamp. Oh, Hey, you know, a good portion of the audience might be interested in that or a course that, you know, we built or someone built that we think is good that we're going to share with it and make sure it's relatable and that you're not spamming people because that's when you start losing people long term. And it's, you have to really maintain this healthy balance between the two.
0: You just can't do it for the money. You got to be able to back it up and that builds stress to your audience. If you recommend things that you like, that, that is it relatable to your audience that you don't spam them? I think I've tried that really, really hard, just to make sure that anything I recommend is something I really like and and that I can prove. And by the way, thongs is also—I don't know if maybe this is an East Coast West Coast thing—thongs is also like flip flops for some people.
1: That was yeah. We're we're gonna say that was what I was talking about. <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go with that. Um, yeah, um, donations are another fantastic way although i have not had too much uh success i would say with donations or um i was trying to think of a word that wasn't handouts but like that's sort of what a donation is uh, in the sense of people who like hey i just want to say thank you and they can do this whether it's through like super chats on youtube where sometimes it's just hey i'm sending you a message and here's a um i think technically on streaming they're called tips now is that
0: yeah, for the kids. I, that's what I think about donations. Some people call it e-bagging. <laughs> some people have like really negative connotations of donations because it's you're essentially just giving someone something for someone that for nothing. But at least in streaming, so there's these streaming services like Twitch and Mixer that people live stream. Usually it's video games. They'll play video games for hours and hours, and then people can watch them, and they'll do these donations. And usually the donation will be like a little shout-out on the stream, and they'll get their name called. And that's a way of making money. Um, Some people think it's a little more controversial. I know I've heard some bigger bloggers that put up donation buttons on their blogs or YouTubers that get a lot of criticism for it because it's essentially e-begging. But I, I don't think that's true. Um, there's other sites where it's, I guess it's technically donations, like Patreon, um, where you can find your favorite. And I think you have some, you've done Patreon, right, Dylan? Can you explain what it is?
1: Yeah, so Patreon is a way that you can sort of set a one-time or a monthly, a monthly subscription. It's really a monthly donation. To creators of anything whether it's youtube or podcasts or whatnot and oftentimes there'll be tiers of rewards where i'll say okay um there's two different ways if you donate five dollars i'll send you two stickers right as your initiation and uh you know maybe i'll say thank you in the about description or if you donate um you know ten dollars a month i'll give you one of my new courses for free whenever i release the course. And so there's tiers and there's another tier where if I have a collective amount to like $1,000 a month, I'll start doing an extra video a week or I'll build an extra course a month, whatever it may be. But it's a, it's a nice platform. Uh, although I don't know why they seem to always get in so much trouble. We could do a whole episode about how Patreons just jacking their, giving themselves headaches left and right. Um, but the platform's there to allow people to support creators to, to do what they want because there's a lot of people who want to do stuff like that. And why this podcast is kind of important, so they can. But the reality of the world is, you know, we all have mortgages, and a lot of us have kids, and we all need to eat. And occasionally, we need to eat more than rice and beans. That'd be nice. Uh, so uh, let's see how we can get there.
0: What's the donation site that's geared towards people that are having hardships? Like if you have a medical emergency, this this I can't is remember the name. Uh,
1: this is one thing that. Um, not the medical emergency thing, but I've been seeing this and sort of to your to the point about e Now, if you go and you have a product that you're created and you just put a link, you know, you have a support page or on the about page, you have a spot where they can, you know, they can PayPal you if they want. We have one for this podcast, for instance, where, uh, hey, if you want to support the podcast, you can just send a few bucks and it'll go towards, you know, the website will go towards the subscription services that we use. Maybe we'll update some stuff. Um, we haven't had anybody do that, but it's there. Uh,
0: if you want to be the first, though, and you're listening right now, that'd be awesome. We'll give you a, a shout out on the next podcast.
1: That's a that's an excellent way to get <laughs> to do some e begging. No, uh, but se- seriously, um, there, there, I so th- I am so sick of people e like actually e begging where I s- I, s- I see almost on a weekly basis somebody i i know through somebody else right i you know you know how these social media things get people add you and people add you and then you see people who are like hey i'd really like to go to europe for x y and z and then all of a sudden they have like a little thing for people to donate you know to their 1500 dollar goal when i see shit like that i actually block them and <laughs> and unfollow them <laughs> because they're not people i i want to have in my life where now you are begging now you're just you're the, you're the digitally equivalent to um somebody who is standing outside like a Target or a Walmart. Um, but you're you're actually doing much better than that person. Like that person's trying in theory to get money for food and water and whether they are or not it's a separate conversation. But you're doing the digital equivalent and that pisses me off.
0: <laughs> I think even Facebook has that built in now. At least you can do it for charities, which is is great. But you can be like if for your birthday you can say, set up donations for my charity and then anybody who wants instead of buying you gifts they would donate to a charity. But yeah, I've definitely seen the opposite. There's a bunch of these platforms. Like the 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 one that I'm thinking about escapes my name escapes my memory right now. And it's literally like you can set up a crowdfunding on anything. And I've seen people ask crowdfunding for a guitar that they want or a treadmill, which is sort of treadmill you're like, okay, they're trying to get in shape, but still so yeah, I don't I don't like that practice at all, and I tend to ignore those people.
1: I uh, when Black Panther came out, there was a I saw a whole article about this. People who want who are trying to get money to go to Wakanda, <laughs> I was like, dog, it's, <laughs> it's not real, yo. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I. But, Wakanda forever.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, donations are fine. Uh. In my, in my opinion, it, it just all comes back to um, again, not being too forceful. It's there if people want to support you. And and chances are they, they may not, right? Even when we're talking about donations, like occasionally I'll get some in live streams attached with a question. Like, hey, I'd, I'd love to know your opinion about this for three minutes. Here's five bucks. Thanks for what you do, right? Um, it's usually just an easy way to say that. Now we we've talked quite a bit about like direct monetization and money actually coming in your pocket, pockets but a lot of times some of the coolest stuff uh you you can get is um free products whether they're digital or physical.
0: Yeah, I've gotten so many free products over the years just putting my name out there and, and having a blog and YouTube channel. Um just recently I got this really cool product. I'm not going to mention the name, but it was like this teaching kids how to code and it had like this Disney theme to it. So that's been really cool. I've gotten, uh, I've gotten a few lights. I've gotten some camera gear. I've gotten, uh, lots of subscriptions to different services like, uh, web hosting. I've got like just, um, a few weeks ago, I, I got this free subscription to this, this website builder service, which is really neat. And it's, it's nice. Obviously, everything I get for free, I try not to let it influence me when I'm doing the review or anything like that. But it's it's cool that I've gotten it on that things. I know, Dylan, you've gotten some um, you've gotten some free travel. You've gotten into conferences because of uh, working on side projects and and you definitely make a lot of connections, too.
1: Yeah, it's it's really fantastic. And from this may be one of those items where like everything we've talked about, for the most part, you can get started today. You start a side project, you can build in affiliate, you can, you know, add, add revenue, but to get the free products, it it might take you a little while to have a little bit of, um, something, some stuff, some people behind you, I guess. Uh, but from digital products, such as courses or subscription services, they're usually pretty lax with hooking you up. It usually takes an email and saying, Hey man, I'm interested in trying this. And, um, a lot of these companies are very uh, in the education space anyhow if you're like hey i'm i'm going to be using this to build a tutorial and share it they're they're pretty pretty nice about it but the connection aspect of it is huge i don't know how many times i've networked with somebody through one of these programs and you know it's been continue on to this day there's people i've met 5 6 years ago who i haven't actually even met in person that I'm I'm still getting benefits out of uh in the in a sense for you know, years to come.
0: Yeah, and watch out. Man, you don't wanna meet people online. Be yeah. Weirdos.
1: <laughs> Them internet people. It's like the um the old joke where like in two thousand, um, don't talk to stra don't don't get into strangers car, or talk to people on the internet, and that's pretty much all we do <laughs> with Uber and, <laughs> and social media nowadays. <laughs> I never thought about that Uber.
0: Oh, oh, one more thing in the free review products. Like if you, you can have a small following. You can just email, just email your favorite course creator. If, you, if you, we're talking about tech here, but you can email, um, your favorite company and be like, hey, if you can find their email address, which sometimes is difficult, be like, hey, I am a blogger. Can I get a review copy of X Y Z? And I'd say, almost not all all the time, but. Many times they'll either like give you they'll throw down you a free month of the product or if it's a course, they'll just they'll just discount it for free to you. If they if you can prove that you have an online presence, that you're not just asking something for free, which, by the way, I've had I've had people like literally straight up ask something for free or saying, hey, your product's too expensive. Can you just charge me five bucks for it? Like, no, but you you can get some free stuff. And I've gotten dozens of free like courses through different platforms throughout the years. It's definitely nice. Does that piss what are you some... off?
1: Like, it pisses me off when, because, like, I've worked very hard on my courses, right? It takes me three plus months to build a course, and you have someone who messages you. who, I I mean, regardless of their situations, like, hey, I really value your content, but I can't spend $10 on it. Like,
0: well, it, like, it, <laughs> you know, to, in, in fairness to them, it's they always say, it's, there's usually a long, drawn out story of like why they can't pay. have you you ever gotten the sad like this is a really sad story
1: every time uh you know it's who's gonna be like yo dude i'm balling out of control but i ain't gonna spend ten dollars on your course that you put your blood sweat and tears
0: (laughs) and and also i'd say we come from a privileged background where we can afford living in the united states and where we are we can afford a ten dollar twenty dollar course there are people in india where or people in the third world countries, where ten dollars is a good chunk of their income, if you do the conversion of their income every month, so it's really difficult for them to buy a course from you for the even just ten dollars or twenty dollars. So I understand that we're, we're just coming from a different place and and different background, and it's not to put them down or anything. It's just you know we we need to make money too, and I have given um. If it's a student or something like that, a group their student, I have given discounts occasionally. All
1: right, you have more of a heart than I do. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> and a lot of times, no, I'm sorry, I can't.
1: I see. The thing is, is like if I knew, so like I've I've given courses out to people that I know, but like you just add me randomly on the internet. I don't know who you are. I don't know if you're full of shit. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, so, it's just uh. It upsets me, or the people who like want your advice, like they they want you to act Like I I I get a lot of emails and messages of like, hey, I'd love to your insight. I, I politely respond back, um, say something along the lines of, You know, I get emails daily, messages daily. I I don't take questions on here, and I'll I'll say like, you show up for a live stream, and I ask questions, answer questions weekly, or you can book a mentoring session, and then they they tell me that I'm a POS for trying to get like try like not answering their questions. They get very upset, which is a strange reaction. Because it's like, oh what well, you took your time to message me, but I guess I guess you don't really value me or my time. Like
0: Oh yeah. It's hard. It's hard. I've gotten questions too, and for the most part I ignore a lot of them, especially if a lot of people message me on Facebook, and I don't know how or why they do that, but they just straight either they straight up message me on Facebook, or that I do have a Facebook fan page, um, and I'll get messages like, "Hey Eric, uh, can you and can you explain this concept?" Or I'll get an email with a bunch of information, just kind of like you, Dylan. And I used to always on almost every one of them, I would be like, "Okay, let me let me hear your situation and explain like the problem." And I would literally spend way too much time trying to figure it out. Be like, "Okay, set up a GitHub repo." Usually, if you ask them to set up a out hit GitHub repo nine, I'd say eight out of 10 people won't do it. They're like, what? you want me to set up a GitHub repo? Like you just won't hear from them again. Yeah. But for those, like I've had at times where they actually did set up the GitHub repo and then they sent me the link and then I had to spend like an hour trying to figure out their problem. And, you know, I, I have so many, if I could spend that hour creating a YouTube video and I can help a thousand people, that would make sense. But I can't spend an hour helping a- each individual person. So now I'm I either, I don't respond or, what I do is I say, hey, you know, I do offer one on one consulting. And I would say, you know, 90, 95% of people are like, oh, okay. And then I don't hear from her again.
1: Yeah. Let um, not okay, even so- mention
0: that. That's another way to make money. You can do consulting, but that's now you're just trading your time for money. So it's a little different.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's okay. And that, that is something like if you go on to any sort of major product or major, um, library oftentimes you can consult on your own library or you could just like all right well clearly you know x y, they know xyz technology and you know by building your name you can now consult at a, you know, a higher rate than maybe what your salary is or you know that's one way that you can make money although the stuff that i'm generally interested in is more of the um, passive or less less of the trading your time for money although some of this stuff when you do like a sponsored video. Is that to a degree, but um, it also is supporting that sort of semi-passive income. So we we've talked a, quite a few on various ways of how to monetize products and how to monetize your side projects, and I'm sure we even skipped over a few un- unknowingly. But let's talk a little bit about some of the drawbacks because the second that you start involving money on the internet to anything. People start calling you a shill, people telling you you sold out. Um all of a sudden it's it's uh you you do have a, a vocal minority, I would say, that start not liking you for it.
0: Yeah, I really don't I really don't like this trend. Kind of goes back to the beginning of the topic of the podcast where I mentioned that you know, I used to be afraid to charge for things. I thought people would call me sell out, and lo and behold, some vocal minority do. (laughs) Some people don't like it. I remember I sent out an email. So I have an email list where I've had it for years, where I just kind of anybody that goes to my website or clicks on one of my YouTube videos, I have a link and they can sign up for it. And I usually email people probably once every week or two, just letting them know that I have a new YouTube video out or 90% of the time, it's just free stuff that I've put out and I just want people to know about. And it's a good way to connect to people that are interested in what I'm doing. And I remember I sent an email out, I think this is last year. And just out of a whim, I created a, I had, had a lot of people going back to a lot of people asking me questions, wanting me to to help them with their projects. I, I sent an email saying, hey, I, I'm offering a new consulting service, one-on-one consulting. I can help you with your projects. Or, or if you just want to have career advice, I can talk to you about that. And I, I know this is something that Dylan does. and I put a couple links in it. I thought it was a really innocuous email. No one would 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 say much. And maybe I'd get one or two people interested. And I think I got like four people emailing me back. And I don't know if it was the tone of the email or what, but they were like, you know, how dare you? We don't have money. We can't pay for this. How dare you send this email out? Like, <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, this is crazy. Like, because wh- I've, you know, I'm not forcing you to, to buy anything. I'm just saying this is, know a service that I'm going to be offering. And it yeah. made me think think like maybe I should pull this down. Maybe I shouldn't even try to do consulting.
1: I think people don't realize how much you have to charge for consulting for it to be a reasonable use of your time. Like a lot a lot of these items you you look at like how much are you selling a course for? $10. How much do you consult for? I consult for $150 an hour. And so like you're like, well, one hour of your time's worth 15 courses. Yeah, uh it's a it's a it's a different medium and I I understand that like when the average person that's learning software development, I should I this is gonna generalize, but they're they're making on the lower end wages, right? you most people who are like, Oh, hey, I'm not making good money, so I'm I'm jumping into software is a common route. That hundred and fifty dollars an hour is quite a quite a bit. But that's it's not unreasonable given, you know, what your your salary is and taxes and what it's going at. Um but there I definitely understand the, the pushback, but it's it's a common thing specifically with consulting. Like I think people are more willing to buy like if you sold a hundred and fifty dollar course, I don't think that'd be an issue. But for whatever reason, people don't the even even if the numbers make sense time wise, um, it's still just a astronomical number. And I, I remember like back in the day I'd be like, Yo, man, that's like three Playstation games. What are you talking about, dog? Like <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I've bought $150 courses. I've bought $200 courses. I did a $400 course like this is like four or five years ago, and it gave me three hours with this one person that knew um, this really specific technology that I wanted to learn. So, you know, I, I think it's reasonable to pay those prices. In fact, I'm creating a course right now that I'm hoping to do a pre sale on, and it's going to be a higher end course. It's going to be more intermediate, some advanced stuff in there. It's also going to cover some beginner stuff, but it's going to be a more expensive course. And I think it, you know, that's, that's okay.
1: We should do a whole episode on consulting. Like, cause I, it's something that I've been getting more into lately. Um, and I've had some success and I've had some failures, but I, I think it'd be, it'd be a fun topic. And I, I think yeah. it might be one of our more hated topics at the way, <laughs> the way that it's uh, been received. Um, so not only like monetizing stuff, do you sort of get some hate, especially when it comes to consulting, but you definitely do need to be aware that you're going to come off as impartial. And you may just by the fact of like, hey, if someone gives you something for free or someone gives you some money, no matter how partial you try to be, there's still that like, oh, hey, that was kind of nice.
0: Yeah, you could definitely. It's, it's one of those things that you have to be very upfront you have to be transparent about if someone gives you money for something that that you let the user know or the, the customer or, or the watcher, the viewer, the listener that you got paid for this money. And then going back to that trust that you build up with your audience, you have to recommend only things that you actually believe in. And you're right. It's hard to be impartial. There's a, f- a few ways you can get around this. One is if you get the product for free, then you can... Kind of have more leeway and say, I'm going to give an honest review. And if you're doing, let's say, let's say you're doing a review, then you don't, you don't feel that pressure of, of having to inflate something that you may not believe in because you're going to give an honest review of it, even though you got the product for free. But when you actually get paid from an advertiser, then I think that's a little different. Then you have to really trust the product that you're recommending. Like we do here with our podcast.
1: That's right. Not like all those other shills out there. <laughs> no, um, um, oh, one, one item that I we clearly skipped over for monetization, as I mentioned, we probably would, is, and this is probably because we don't do a very good job of it, or pretty much it at all, is merchandise. People love merch. like, And they're killing it in the game i i haven't quite yet put the effort in i have like one shirt i created that makes me like ten dollars a month but that seems to be where a lot of people are making their money
0: I uh, yeah this is really big i know if you've heard of your favorite youtubers like for example mr beast he's like this really popular youtuber that does all these challenge type videos he has a whole merchandise line where you can get his logo on sweatshirts and T-shirts and pants and hats and everything, and you can make a lot of money, especially if you have a lot of a big business. You can make definitely a ton of money on on those merchandising opportunities.
1: The, the last thing I want to just sort of say, unless there's something that you wanted to cover before we sort of end end this, um, uh, go ahead. I I just wanted to make a a sort of a general statement is that when you monetize your side project, what that says to me is that you're taking this seriously and you're providing value and you shouldn't be ashamed of that. Oftentimes people try, people who are going to give you some of this hate are going to try and make you feel ashamed that you value what it is that you've created and that you want to be able to continue it. Right. If you put, 200 hours into something a thousand hours into something you're never getting to a thousand hours if you can't pay your bills or you can't continue to go there that you should never let any of the negativity make you feel ashamed of doing this if you're coming from an honest place and so you need to have a little bit of a some fortitude because the internet you might have 10 million people who are about you think you're doing a great job but the one you're going to remember are those two guys who are assholes that are <laughs> that are going to just tell you about, you know, why you should just, you know, be miserable and why you suck. Um, so never feel shamed and as, as long as you're being doing honest work and you're you're sharing something and you're providing value.
0: I I couldn't agree more. And remember one other thing I just thought of is that the, all these things we've talked about today i mean i think every single one of them this is a hard road to go after you'll find the biggest one of the biggest issues beyond what we just talked about of having the haters gonna hate is just getting people to click getting people to buy it it is incredibly difficult to get people to buy there's It's just one of those things you have to deal with. In fact, when you look at a lot of these things like affiliate income, you might show, you might have this affiliate income on your blog or in YouTube video, and you get a thousand views on that YouTube video. And out of those thousand views, maybe a hundred people are going to look at the comments and look at the description. And out of that hundred people, maybe 30 will look at, will click your link in your description, and maybe 10. Maybe five will buy. So you're talking about like less than one percent of people that go to your video are actually ever going to click on these things, or actually ever going to buy. So it's uh, it's really a numbers game on a lot of these things.
1: Yeah. So you know, like anything, set reasonable expectations. Don't be like I wrote my first blog and I made two dollars, which it might be very realistic on your first blog. Understand that you know it's a it's a long game for a lot of these items and. You know, if you're like, I'm going to make thousands of dollars, you're you're sort of setting yourself up for failure, much like these people tell you you can learn to code in like two and a half weeks. Uh, so you want to have reasonable expectations of what it is that you can accomplish. Now, some may be outside the standard deviation and you know, more power to them. But, um, you know, have have reasonable expectations. You're going to sort of let yourself down. It's gonna be hard to go back to get that two dollars up to four. Mm hmm. All right, we'll leave it at that. See ya. Hey, guys, thanks for watching. If you want to find more about what I'm up to, go to DylanIsrael.com.
0: And if you want to know what I'm up to, you can check out my website at eric.video. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And if you do, you might even be featured on our next episode. Don't forget to check out the website at selftaughtornot.com. From there, you can sign up for a mailing list where we give away free courses and a bunch of cool stuff. And we'll also let you know when the next episode comes out. And finally, if you didn't know, we have a Facebook group. It's called Code Tech and Caffeine. We have over 10,000 members and you can find the link at selftaughtornot.com. So come join us. We have tons of developers willing to help you guys, mentor you guys, check it out. Just make sure you go to selftaughtornot.com and check out the Code Tech and Caffeine link. Thanks, and take care.